Hello and welcome to episode 13. I'm really excited to bring this topic of generational trauma and attachment with respect to the caregiver and child and really dive deeper into understanding what it is and why it is so important to address in society. Now, if you are a victim of generational trauma, I will also be talking about some tips and tricks that you can implement in your life to end this perpetuating cycle. Now, generational trauma has become a very popular topic during COVID with all the movements that have resurfaced about issues that have gotten suppressed in society and really were never addressed, such as Black Lives Matter and Every Child Matters. These really big issues have generations of trauma that have impacted the future generations till this day with mental health issues, with poverty, and the list can honestly go on. Now, in societies where there is a multitude of cultures present, it is no surprise that there will be challenges with identity, cultural appropriation, there will be normalizations of certain practices, and in respect to this podcast specifically, bloodline trauma. So what exactly is generational trauma? In simple words, it is trauma that is passed through generations and families, mentally, physically, and emotionally, and some may even say spiritually. For example, if a child is born into a family where one of the parents is an alcoholic, causing that parent to be neglectful to the child, chances are that child will also be at risk of becoming an alcoholic in the future as well. Now, I don't want to say this is a one-shoe-fits-all. There will always be those really brave cycle breakers in the world that grow up in toxic environments, but will grow up and choose to do things differently for themselves and for their children. However, the impact that comes from these toxic upbringings will always be present inside of them. And a big portion of that is because of the attachment a child develops towards their parents in their impressionable years, aka their quote unquote sponge years, which is from zero to 18 months. Isn't that absolutely insane? The years of your life that you cannot remember is what paves the path to your responsibilities, your personalities, your flaws, your strengths, your adaptability, your resiliency, how you cope, and most importantly, how you see yourself as a person and what you feel you are worth. And this is all determined through your relationship with your caregivers. Now, I want to take a quick moment and say that most of the time, having poor attachment with the parent isn't intentional. In fact, it's really situational. The parent is probably doing the best that they can with all that they know and the tools that they have in front of them. But that is not taking away at the fact that this is honestly how generational trauma continues, which we're going to get to in just a second here. I really wanted to touch on what the four attachment styles are, just so you kind of had an idea of what I'm talking about. So here's where the little psychology lesson comes into play. So first, we have secure attachment. And this is the attachment that we want, right? This is the healthy attachment. And this is when a child's needs are met sufficiently by the parent. The parent is attuned with their child's emotions. They were supported during exploration and the child felt safe, felt seen, valued, and heard. These children grow up to have healthy coping mechanisms. They have a very good sense of self. So their self-esteem, their self-worth, their self-confidence is healthy and it's very good for them. They're able to have healthy relationships with others. They are able to trust, be vulnerable. They're goal-orientated. It is really just like that big bucket of gold, all the good stuff. The next type of attachment is anxious attachment. 
which happens when a parent is inconsistent with their parenting. So they're sometimes there, sometimes not. Sometimes they're supportive and attuned. Other times they have absolutely no idea what's going on or they just may not be able to be present because economically and financially, they are just not able to have the capacity to be there mentally and physically, right? The inconsistently leads to the child feeling confused and fearful of what their parents' reactions are going to be. And this causes anxiety. So for those parents that do not self-care, that do not take care of themselves, that are very overloaded mentally and burnt out, a lot of the times they're not going to mean to lash out on their children and take out their frustration and stress on their children. But because they have no other outlet, children end up being the easiest form of an outlet, which causes the child to have no predictability on how a parent is going to react. Thus, the child will start to suppress a lot of their emotions and a lot of feelings of confusion because they are fearful of what the reaction is going to be, right? They don't want to get in trouble and, you know, get beaten up or get a timeout or be locked out, right? They want their parents to be there and to be present in their life. And when it comes down to this attachment style, parents who use their children to satisfy an emotional need of their own or are often very overprotective or they will crave validation from their child in order to feel love themselves, right? That also causes anxious attachment because now the child has this responsibility of meeting a need of the parent, whereas it needs to be the opposite. The parent needs to meet the need of the child, right? So oftentimes when these parents are disciplining their child, it's going to include the timeouts. It's going to include the silent treatments. Um, they would really be communicating to their child that they're not good enough to be around mommy or daddy. These children will become at risk of suffering from abuse and uh, suffering from it silently. That is a big thing. They may have trouble with separation, fear abandonment, become clingy. They may fear rejection, have a very poor sense of self, need constant validation, and are quite insecure with themselves. Now, the next attachment style we have is called an avoidant attachment style. These children grow up in very strict and emotionally distant households. Feelings are not allowed and expressing those feelings, oh, no way is that okay. These kids are raised to be independent and tough. They shouldn't ever need anybody. Vulnerability is looked at as a weakness. The parent may be present, provide all the basic needs and the materialistic needs, but avoid emotion and intimacy, especially when the child is seeking support, reassurance, and affection. And if you've seen a child, you know that all they want is your love. They just want to be seen. They want to be in your arms. They may be extremely annoying from time to time, but all they want is you because they have this intense love for you. You are their safe space. Now, when that safe space is compromised, that's where these issues start to come into play. And I'm going to quickly go into the last uh, style of attachment, which is disorganized attachment. Now, this is the very, very, very dangerous one. Okay. These children have been likely abused or abandoned. And this happens when two people who really were supposed to be their safety net became the ones that they fear the most. These children are often suffer from mental health issues and substance abuse. They're so afraid of letting go in despite of craving that love and attention. And oftentimes they're very numb and pessimistic and they have a very negative view about themselves and about others. Now, 
I hope that you were able to kind of see how all of these attachments play into adulthood, right? For example, the one we just talked about before, disorganized attachment where emotions aren't allowed. You know, these children grow up to be independent. They're social. They're that fun party person. And they will show a very high self-esteem. But behind the scenes, these are the individuals that have trouble creating meaningful relationships. They will become codependents. They will have time. They will have a hard time trusting people and they will avoid intimacy, right? And vulnerability is such an important thing in relationships. And if you are not able to be vulnerable, whether it's with a romantic partner or with your friends or family, it will really debilitate your ability to create meaningful relationships in your life and have those opportunities of growth for you, right? And it is so important to allow yourself to grow and to shed your old snakeskin and, and allow yourself to put your past in the past and not let it dictate what your future has to be. So I really want you guys to think, um, not thank me. I really want to thank you guys for listening to my mini psychology lesson. So we're going to throw secure attachment out for now, right? Because, you know, if you have secure attachment, chances are there's not a lot of generational trauma happening in your bloodline. Uh, the reason why I really wanted to bring this up as an important concept to understand why generational trauma continues and why it is such a perpetuating cycle is more often than not a parent who grew up with insecure attachment that never grew the awareness or felt safe enough to seek help will continue the cycle with their own children, thus causing more insecurity. And a larger cycle of trauma will continue and prevail and it will essentially snowball until one day someone decides enough is enough I do not want to keep going through this pain and this torture. And I most definitely do not want my children to go through this pain and torture. So then they decide to break the cycle and go through a process of healing, which is very difficult to do. So it takes a very brave person to make that decision. So how does this even start? Well, there's an endless risk list, list of reasons. I apologize for my tongue twist, guys. As you can tell, it's really happening a lot. Um, but I'm going to throw my own culture under the bus here, okay? I am a Fijian South Asian, so I'm just going to, you know, take jabs at them because I can't. I realize that my example is not going to be exclusive to my community, but it's my community, so I can easily use them as an example. So in my community, the patriarchy is a very common thing. Women are expected to be submissive and do everything for their household without expecting anything from the men. So childbearing, taking care of the house, working, cooking, cleaning, maintaining social relationships, maintaining relationships with the family, that whole load is put on the woman's shoulder and she is expected to do it without a sigh, right? Whereas with the man, he is the provider. He is going out, working, bringing home the money. That is his only job, right? He, he shouldn't have to do anything else. And honor is a really big thing. And women are expected to hold that honor and not tarnish her family's name, right? Shame and honor is a very big thing in South Asian communities. There's always that fear of, oh, what is somebody else going to say? If you do that, then we're going to look bad, right? And that causes a lot of, of like hurt. And that on its own is traumatizing. Now, with respect to men, they're raised to be strong. They're raised to be that provider. They do not have room to be sad or weak, and they aren't allowed to show their struggles. 
And it's really honestly basic toxic masculinity at its finest. And this cultural conditioning that has been taught to our families since they were shipped off on a slavery boat from India to Fiji. Now, side note, that experience on its own, I imagine, was extremely traumatizing for the families who had to leave everything that they knew to come to a cannibalistic island to be slaves. And of course, they didn't know how to cope with their emotions. And I'm sure there was not a lot of support to cope either. And there was probably a lot of grief involved in that entire process. And that on its own is a trauma cycle creator of not belonging, not having an identity and feeling displaced. But that's just kind of an example. Back to what I was saying, right? This mentality that has been normalized over generations obviously has its quirks. And it obviously isn't working because there are so many people that are alcoholics, that are um, addicts, that are workaholics, that are abusive. Like they find very unhealthy ways to let out their emotions because they cannot do it in a healthy way as it's considered weak and it's not okay, right? And when that happens, that trauma will continue from person to person. And not only that, the people that are around the person dealing with the trauma will also get impacted. Oftentimes, you really forget to realize that it is not only the individual that is going through the mental health illness that is suffering right? It is also the person that are, that is around that person. It is the family members, the friends, the intimate circle that also gets impacted because they get pulled into that chaos. Now, I actually talk about this in podcast number three about family dynamics and how they get pulled into the chaos, um, specifically to depression. However, the outcome regardless of the illness tends to be the same, right? When you have somebody that's suffering, you know, obviously the family around them cares and they want to do whatever they can to help this person and to bring them out of the little black hole that they're in. But in doing so, they become the enablers and they often get really pulled in and go through mental health illnesses themselves, right? So back to respect to generational trauma, when a person is born into a home that is already in a toxic cycle and that already has, you know, family members that are getting pulled into the chaos, that child is going to grow up not having certain needs met. And that is extremely important for their development, especially to have those emotional needs met, right? Their materialistic and basic needs might be there, but that validation, that affection, the cuddling, the worthiness, all that that is so key for a person's core beliefs will not be there. And then the child then has to go in survival mode and they may feel like they need to people please or go above and beyond to feel like they belong or to feel like they have a place in the world and they won't feel safe and they won't be able to have trusting relationships and they will really start to self-sabotage because they have developed a negative thought pattern about themselves right they will believe that they are not worthy they're they're not good enough they're not worth love and that is not the truth every single person in this world is worth love is worth affection is worth respect but if they do not believe it themselves anybody can come to them and say that you are worthy but they will not believe it it has to come from the core place of yourself and that all stems from your childhood or from a person's childhood right and when it's not addressed that cycle is going to continue to the next generation because that is normalized behavior. And when that person, that one strong, brave person is says, I don't want this for myself, 
the path to heal is very difficult. It is a conscious decision that they have to make every single day they wake up. Now, when it comes to healing and breaking the cycle, it isn't as simple as going to your parents and saying, I'm like this because you did this to me. How could you? I, I hate you so much. Like, this is all your fault. You have to realize that they parented in a way that they felt was right to them, right? Parenting changes as the generation changes. We learn new things every single day. And at the time, it was normal to them. That's probably how they were parented, right? And that's how they parented their kids. So placing blame is not the solution. And if you have that mindset, there's going to be a lot of anger and resentment that will follow. And that's only going to damage your inner peace. You have to come to an acceptance that you cannot change the past. And you have to learn to let it go. But at the same time, understand that it's okay for you to talk to your parents and be open and, and communicate how you were hurt and how you've been negatively impacted due to your upbringing. But you also have to be prepared to not get the response you desire. You may not get that apology or that closure that you want. Their mindset may not even change because they're stuck in their ways. There comes a point where people just get stuck in their ways and they, there's nothing you can do about it. But you have to be okay with getting that response and accept that your healing is going to only happen for you. And you need to have that mindset that you're doing it for your inner peace, for your growth, so that you can be a more empowered version of yourself. So that you can be whole without needing any external person or thing to come and complete you, right? As long as you need everything else around you to quote unquote complete you, and it doesn't come again from that core place in yourself, you will continue perpetuating the cycle, right? You need to be authentically you. You need to love yourself. You need to find people and put them in your circle that you do not have to wear a mask around. That will not debilitate you. That will not insult you or laugh at you when you say that this is my thought process and I'm changing the way that I think and I really want to make a change. You need people that will support you and that will say, hey, I don't get it because maybe they don't get it, but I'm here. I got your back. I will be there to cheer you on the entire way. Those are the types of people you need with you. So if you need to cut ties with toxic relationships and family members, you do that because you need it in order to break the cycle for your future generations. The journey that you're going to be on to heal is a roller coaster. It is not a flat line. There will always be ups and there will always be downs. But by learning the right tools and techniques and allowing yourself to be accountable for your mistakes and your actions and your behaviors, but having that courage to make that change and learn ways to cope and really master breaking that cycle for yourself, you will be that determining factor for the future generations that you create. The family that you had does not have to be the family that you create. The dynamics that you lived in does not have to be the dynamics that you continue. It ultimately comes down to you and your choices and what you believe in. Now, I really want to thank you guys for listening to this podcast. I apologize for any tongue twists that I had. I am a mental health coach myself. If anything I said was triggering for you or you felt that you got a light bulb and you know you want to make a change, please feel free to reach out to me and we can get talking. If not me, find someone that is a support person for yourself. It can be a professional or a friend or a family member, but someone that you trust, be able to be vulnerable and authentic and just be you. You are going to change lives and create ripple effects 
It is in you. You have power and I believe in it. I will talk to you guys all soon in the next podcast. Thank you all for listening. Bye now.